Um, you've both touched on the issue of housing. Um, <coughs> I hope now we can flesh out some of your plans and policies. A lot of business groups in particular, uh, the IOD and others, have talked about the effect that, that London's housing crisis has on its competitiveness, on its attractiveness. So, Zach Goldsmith, give us your plan to rectify the current London housing it, crisis. Thank you. It is a crisis. I mean, it's an overused term in politics, but we do have a housing crisis. We've reached a point now where you could be earning the average income, £34,500, have absolutely no prospect of getting on the housing ladder, either by qualifying for social housing or by buying a house on the open market. It is just <coughs> not possible. That is true even of people earning close to double the average London salary. The only long-term answer is to build more homes. My pledge is to build 50,000 homes a year. We haven't seen that since the 1930s. It's more or less double what we're building at the moment. And I'll do that through a number of ways, but principally by getting the government to agree to release publicly owned brownfield land. The government is the biggest landowner in this capital. Ministry of Justice, Ministry of Defence, National Health Service and more. In addition to land already controlled by the mayor. TfL land, if you squished it all together into one block, it would be the size of the borough of Camden. So releasing that land for development is the first step. The second step is to grow the transport network to unlock that land. If we don't grow the transport network, we don't unlock that land. And the choice is either not to build at all, which would be a disaster, or building over our precious green spaces, which is something I've ruled out in my action plan for Greater London. And as each and every development, each and every application crosses my desk as mayor, my job will be to assess it, to see how much fat there is in that application, in that proposal, and to extract that fat and ensure maximum possible affordability. And I'll do that by opening up the viability system to make it more transparent, easier for communities, local authorities, and indeed me, if I'm mayor, to understand. Now we, we, now we've had uh, a Conservative mayor for the last eight years and a Conservative Prime Minister for the last six. The IOD, CBI, FSB, Chamber of Commerce, London First, everyone you speak to say housing is now the number one issue facing London. Why should things be indifferent if Zach Goldsmith is the mayor of London? I have a plan to tackle the housing crisis. I will set up Homes for Londoners, which I'm in charge of, with local authorities, housing associations, developers, those with finance, including those in the city who currently are either buying buildings for their staff or contributing towards the graduate training scheme so they can have guaranteed housing for uh, their staff. What it will do is bring together land, bring together finance to build the genuinely affordable homes Londoners need. I'm not going to promise to next year increase the number of homes being built from 23,000 last year to 50,000 next year, as Zach is promising to do. What I will do, though, is make sure the homes that are built are genuinely affordable. And my London plan will be quite clear. On public land, think of Hyde Park. Transport for London, the mayor, Londoners, own land equivalent to 16 times Hyde Park. Why don't we use some of that land to build genuinely affordable homes for Londoners? Not a fire cell, as has gone on for the last eight years. Keep the freehold so a revenue stream comes in, but make sure the homes that are built are genuinely affordable. On private land, my London plan will say the expectation is half of the homes should be genuinely affordable. And I don't mean 80% of market value, as Boris Johnson thinks, nor do I mean homes costing up to £450,000, as Zach Goldsmith thinks. You need an annual salary of £77,000 and a deposit of £98,000 to be able to afford one of those affordable homes. By genuinely affordable homes, I mean one of three things. Either homes where you pay a social rent, yes, council homes, Either or, and or homes where you pay a London living rent. The experts say a London living rent should be a third of average local earnings. So if in Southwark, for example, 
the average local earnings in a month is £1,800. The London living rent will be £600, which means you can pay your rent and put, put aside money for a deposit for your own property. Is that available to everybody, the London, this new London living rent? Yeah. The yeah. so capping rent? If, if you live in London. If you live in London. In those, in those homes we build, which are London living rent. So obviously, it will take some time for them to come on stream, but the expectation is the homes will be either social rent, London living rent, or the third part, Christian, is homes which are part buy and part rent, shared ownership. We've modelled land, TFL land, from zones three to zone six. We think a shared ownership home could cost a deposit of, roughly speaking, between five and six thousand pounds, and a, and a monthly part, uh, a monthly rent uh, mortgage of just under a thousand pounds. And we will give first dibs to Londoners. So, if you've been rented in London for five years or more, you jump the queue for this shared ownership. If you've been renting in a borough, uh, you get you jump the queue in relation to the London living rent, uh, and the usual rules apply to social rent. The other part of the house, we, we need market value properties. London needs luxury properties as well. That provides the revenue stream to local authority to build all the genuinely affordable homes Londoners uh, need. Zach, there's a number of schemes outlined there. You care to respond? Yeah, I'll make a, a general point is that there is, you know, the 50% uh, genuinely affordable target is a target that has been set a few times by Labour boroughs and by the former Labour mayor, Ken Livingstone. But no one has ever met those targets for more than one year in a row. Uh, Ken set exactly the same target, got nowhere near it. Boris was elected without any targets at all and built more homes and more affordable homes than Ken Livingstone did. Uh, the, the only model that Sadiq has... Uh, pointed to so far, at least the only one that I'm aware that he's pointed to, is a proposed 18-storey block in Camden, where half the homes will be social, it's on publicly owned land incidentally, half the homes will be genuinely affordable social homes, and the other half have to pay for that. So you've got two bedroom flats going for £850,000. It is a very divisive policy. It locks out most Londoners. You either have to qualify for social housing, that means fighting your way onto a list that is already 360000 long, or you have to be absolutely loaded to be able to buy an £850,000 home. So this is not a policy that is realistic. That is, this is a fantasy policy. And the irony is that the policy was announced by Sadiq in Hounslow, whose latest figures suggest that it has only delivered 9% genuinely affordable homes, only 2% if you actually take out stuff that Sadiq doesn't regard to be affordable. So it is a fantasy policy. I, if I could make another point about, rent, control, about rent controls. I mean, rent controls, even if they were desirable, they're not going to happen because the government has made it very clear they're not going to sanction rent controls across London. It's just not going to happen. But I don't think it is desirable. I had a meeting with Shelter, an organisation uh, that is on the very front line of campaigning for affordable housing across London. They don't even believe rent controls would work in London. They believe that it would cripple supply, that we'd see a decline in the number of homes being built, and they believe that unless you are already a renter, you would lose out. So this is, again, a fantasy policy. It's neither desirable nor is it deliverable. Well, I've not mentioned uh, rent controls. Well, that is effective. It's, it's not the first time Zach's made things up, but it probably won't be the last time. Still, twenty-two days to uh, twenty-two days <laughs> to uh, go. Look, we've got to recognise the fact there is a housing crisis. I call it a Tory housing crisis because Zach may not have noticed we've had a Tory mayor for the last eight years and a Tory prime minister. Status quo won't solve the housing crisis. Now, I've spoken to chief executives of FTSE 100 companies. I've spoken to those in the city. They've got the finance because they, they worry about the inability to recruit and retain the staff. They've got staff members asking for transfers to Belfast, to Leeds and other parts of the country, which is why we need genuinely affordable homes for Londoners, which is what my homes for Londoners uh, will do. But you know, the last year for which records are available, the Office for National Statistics said the largest number of Londoners aged between 30 and 39 left London. The largest number ever left London. 
That is a brain drain for uh, London, which is why we need homes for Londoners. We need genuinely affordable homes, but also, Christian, we need to look at the rental market. One in four Londoners now rents from a private landlord, which is, what, which is one of the reasons why I will have available uh, a, a not-for-profit letting agency covering all of London, uh, where... You're going to compete with existing letting well, agents? No, what, what, what we're going to do is this. There are some local authorities who have started doing this, and the idea is to try and reduce the, uh, the fees you pay to a letting agent. So at the moment, you go to a letting agent. I'm not sure if you're renting, Christian, but your staff, I'm sure, are. You go to a letting agent. You pay three, four, five hundred pounds. By the way, the landlord pays as well. You get a tenancy for uh, 12 months. At the end of the 12 months, you're told to pay an increase <laughs> and pay another fee because letting agents make their property by flipping, make their money by flipping the, uh, the, the, the tenancy. I'll have a not-profit letting agency across London. You as a tenant can come to me. You'll get a tenancy for up to three years. During the three years, the rent goes up by inflation. You'll pay a sensible uh, fee. A landlord could give us their property. Uh, we give them six months of rent uh, up front. Do all the checks that are currently required for a landlord to do, return the property in a good state, to try and stabilise uh, the rental market. That's a million miles away uh, from the policy that Zach's attributing to me. OK, nevertheless, you're both outlining what constitute fairly major interventions in the market itself, uh, in addition to some planning reforms. I know you both mentioned planning reform in, in your manifestos. And indeed, this government could be accused of, of complicating the um, demand side and not doing enough on the supply side. Um, Sadiq, you've not said how many homes you want to build per year. Zach, you've put a figure of 50,000 on, which is often cited as, as, the, as the figure that's required. Uh, you also mentioned shelter. Now, shelter, you know a thing or two about housing in the capital, are very clear that if you want to come close, if either of you want to come close to building 50,000 homes a year, you have to, in their words, think the unthinkable and start thinking about what you can do on the 70,000 acres of London's green belt land. They said it's simply not feasible that you would be able to build anything like 50,000 homes without doing so. So is it not the case that given that restriction and the geographic and physical restriction, all you're left with are, are interventions, whether it's rent caps or whether it's, Zach, I think you've got something called the, the mayor's mortgage, perhaps you could explain that. Um, a shelter wrong to say that you need to start looking at the so-called green belt around London? Zach? Um, I think they are wrong. Um, we, I mean, there are all kinds of assumptions that, that, or, um, that they're making in order to reach that conclusion. And one assumption is that we're not going to get access to the brownfield land that is owned by the public sector. If we do, and I accept if the government decides it's not going to release that land, it'll be very difficult. So it does require a mayor who can do a deal with government. But there is more than enough brownfield land. But there's another area as well, and that is the, the, the requirement upon us to redevelop existing 1950s and 1960s estates. There are three and a half thousand, some of them small, some of them large, across Greater London, many of them coming to the end of their life. These are, are tower blocks uh, which are dilapidated and they about, had about as much repair as they can put up with and they need to be regenerated. According to Savills, who put out a report on this issue just a few weeks ago, the potential to redevelop them, to remove those towers, replace them with street-based, low-rise but high-density alternatives uh, uh, which are uh, uh, more traditional traditional and, and, and on the whole tend to be much more popular, to do so with guarantees for existing tenants that no one's going to be moved off, uh, that it won't happen without their approval, and that no one will be put onto a rental stream that is higher than the one that they left. With those three guarantees, they believe that we can increase the number of homes uh, by 78%, and that is hundreds of thousands of new homes. It's a massive opportunity not only to increase the number of homes in London, but to improve the conditions in which many people are living and to uh, make London a more livable city. So we have a massive opportunity. We don't need to go down the green belt route and I've ruled that out in my manifesto. I hesitate to put you both on the same side of an argument but Sadiq do you stand with Zach on this you won't <clears throat> look at building on the green belt? 
No, we should build on the uh, uh, green belt. Uh, London First did, did some work and they calculated you could build a million pounds, uh, a million pounds, uh, a million houses uh, without building on the uh, uh, green belt. Brownfield, uh, public land, uh, other land that we can build on. You know, if we doubled the density of homes in London, good quality, high density homes, we still have less density than Paris. But also, this is why you need a mayor to, to have the experience, who's got the experience to build the right infrastructure in London. It's a very unpopular thing to say in West London, but the, the centre of our city is moving eastwards, uh, which is why you need river crossings in the east of London. In 2007, there were plans for the DLR to be extended to Barking, Barkingside. Uh, Boris Johnson cancelled those plans in 2008. Had that happened, we'd have had tens of thousands of new homes in Barking. The good news is the government's now agreed to extend London Overground eight years later, which means we can build homes in Barking and the east of uh, London. Uh, I'm in favour of a new runway at Gatwick Airport. Uh, Croydon say they could build tens of thousands of homes in Croydon. Uh, Merton are optimistic as well, and other, other boroughs in South London, by improved infrastructure in the south of uh, uh, London. If we had uh, overground trains, DLR extensions, uh, Crossrail uh, too, the potential for building more homes is huge. There is no need to go anywhere near the Greenbelt. OK, gents, thanks. Um, I want to just come on to transport, um, a key battleground um, between the two of you before we bring the audience in. And when I do bring the audience in, you can ask any question you like. Um, and Business with personality. That's the idea that launched London's business newspaper, City AM, 15 years ago. And it's the same idea that inspired our new daily podcast, The City View, where you'll find me, City AM editor Christian May, interviewing the most well-known, influential and colourful figures from business, politics and finance. The City View from City AM, with a new episode every morning. It's the perfect start to your working day.